Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. You're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 318. On Now You Know. This show is absolutely impossible without the support of our Patreon patrons. If you want to help support us, bring you independent news every week, head over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really cool perks. We try and make it as fun as possible to help support this show. We want to thank Birch Living for sponsoring the show. Birch is a premium mattress in a box company that makes mattresses and sleep products that are stylish, comfortable, and environmentally conscious. And it's that last part, the environmentally conscious part, that really first got my attention because Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses made right Right here in America with just four materials sourced straight from nature, organic latex, New Zealand wool, American steel springs and organic cotton. Yeah, I've been sleeping on my birch mattress for about a year now and I love it for two big reasons. All right, what's the first reason? First of all, it's super comfortable. My girlfriend and I used to toss and turn way more with my old mattress. Now with my birch, I find that we get more restful sleep and we both feel more energy in the morning. All right, so what else? Look, you're gonna spend about a third of your life in bed. And for me, I want that mattress to be made of organic and natural materials. Exactly. Birch is certified global organic textile standard, Green Guard Gold, Fair Trade, Eco Institute certified, Wool Integrity New Zealand, and Forest Stewardship Council. It's made sustainably, and that's important to us. And Birch Living just introduced their newest mattress, the Birch Lux Natural Mattress. The Lux takes the comfort and luxury of the original Birch mattress to the next level, and it's crafted with responsibly sourced and sustainably produced materials, including organic cashmere. The Lux is specially created with breathability, cooling, and support in mind and offers increased airflow and targeted zoned lumbar support. And I actually think there's a third and fourth reason you love your mattress that you may have forgotten about. It's how you got your Birch mattress and how you tested it. Oh, right. Probably the best part. Birch delivers your mattress right to your door for free within the U.S. It comes rolled up in a box and it's super easy to set up for yourself. And the 100 night sleep trial. Right. It's not only way easier than going to a store. And honestly, at a mattress store, are you really going to be able to tell how a mattress is to sleep on? Yeah, you have to sleep on it. With Birch, you get more than three months to make sure that you love it. If you don't, they'll pick it up for you. And I mean, right out of your bedroom and you'll get a full refund. And Birch gives you peace of mind with a 25 year warranty. Look, if you have been dreaming about a new mattress, don't wait any longer. Use our link birchliving.com slash now, you know, you'll get $400 off your Birch mattress plus two free pillows. Those pillows, by the way, are made from recycled plastic bottles. All right, so Elon's uh, buying Twitter. Yeah, we knew that, but let's sum it up, okay? So Sasha says, Elon wanted to buy. Twitter didn't want to sell. Then Twitter wanted to sell. Then Elon didn't want to buy. Then Twitter sued Elon to buy. Then Elon wanted to buy. Then Twitter didn't want to sell. But Twitter kept suing Elon to buy. Okay, does that sum it up? I don't get it. Well, Elon agreed to buy Twitter for $44 billion, and he tweeted, buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. So Larkening said what a lot of people have been saying. I think it would have been easier to just start X from scratch, though. And Elon replied, Twitter probably accelerates X by three to five years, but I could be wrong. So what's Elon thinking of doing with Twitter? Well, in China, for instance, apps like WeChat allow people to pay their bills, hail rides. It can be used as a government ID. There's no more need to bring physical cards and booklets with you. And this is what Elon said in an interview. I mean, we don't even have uh, a, 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 an app that's as good as WeChat in China. Uh, and like in China, you can like live on WeChat, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, everyone, everyone's like, been there. like you live on WeChat, you do payments, you do everything. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. Basically, WeChat's kick ass. Um, and we don't have anything like WeChat outside of China. My idea would be like, how about if we just copy WeChat? 
So WeChat is owned by Tencent and it makes up 54% of Tencent's revenues. And I think that's a really important point here because I think a lot of people have missed this. They think that Elon's just buying Twitter because he wants like a free speech platform. That's what he's talked a lot about. But as he just said there, this is also a platform that you can do a lot of other things with. And I think that's what he wants to do. So he's going to make a China government app. No, no, no. Okay, but does Elon even have $44 billion in cash to buy Twitter at $54.20 per share? Well, Elon's team seems to be saying that his debt and equity commitments from Binance and Larry Ellison and Morgan Stanley and others is solid. It appears Elon will be funding about $21 billion in equity himself. Elon has until October 28th to complete the deal or the lawsuit will resume. In April of 2023, the banks that are loaning him the money can get out of the deal if market conditions are unfavorable. It appears that Elon wants to get on with making Twitter into X, so I think he'll get it done, and I think he'll transform Twitter. So, I mean, I've done a little bit of reading into WeChat, and it's not, like, good. Like, it, the government spies on people through it. And oh, yeah, I mean, totally. It's social I... credit and all that kind of stuff that, you know, as an American, I just don't really like. I totally get But I have friends in Asia who, when they hear about how I go to a restaurant and have to deal with a waiter and hand them my card and do all this stuff, are like, what? What? Like, we just go in with our phone, order, we leave, it's all paid for. Like, it's kind of like Uber. So I think Elon's looking ahead and saying, like, take out the government-owned part. It can still be really cool to have an app that can do all your payments. And so instead of people being like, oh, do you have Venmo? And it's like, no, I have Zelle. Oh, I have Plink Plonk. It would kind of take care of that. It would take care of the Uber thing. So it, it would be a consolidation of multiple apps on your phone. Is that what you Yeah, think? it's like an all-in-one everything app, like he says. And that would be Twitter or X. X. I think X. he's going to rename it X. He has X.com as the website. You got it. So. so Elon announced last Thursday, excited to announce start of production of Tesla semi-truck with deliveries to Pepsi on December 1st. 500-mile range and super fun to drive. Okay. So it's three years later than announced uh, back in 2017 at the unveiling. But I'm still excited, especially since we are going to get one of the first ones. And just in case you're like, I don't know, is Tesla going to delay the semi again? Pepsi did say this. We can confirm our first electric Tesla semis December 1st, 2022, supporting our Frito-Lay plant in Modesto, California, plus our PepsiCo beverages plant in Sacramento. Okay, so December 1st, that's only a month and a half away. Yeah, a question I have though, is this gonna be like a hand-built couple of trucks to make Pepsi happy? Or is this truly the start of mass production? I feel like they're hand-built. I mean, I feel like Tesla's been constantly iterating for the past several years now. Um, but what do you think? Comment down below. I mean, because one of the reasons they pushed this off was Tesla was battery limited and they wanted to send all their batteries to the Model 3 and the Model Y production lines. Mm -hmm. Now I think they're feeling like, okay, we got that sorted out. We can now commit batteries to the semi truck. But yeah, I mean, we're in the top 100 on the list. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to honor that because we're not a giant corporation, <laughs> but uh, hopefully they will. And hopefully we'll be able to show you butts and seats in a semi. <laughs> yeah, they're going to go uh, Walmart, Walmart, <laughs> Pepsi, Pepsi, Zach and Jesse, Pepsi, <laughs> Walmart. But um, yeah, hopefully crossing our fingers. You're not going to get better press than with us. No, on. that's true. And we're going to own it. So if <laughs> so we don't, don't like it, it you'll hear about, about it, it just like we're doing with the Ford and the Rivian. That's right. So here's some surprise news. Tesla is apparently removing the ultrasonic sensors from all their cars. What? Yeah, so new Model 3s and Ys have been delivered with no ultrasonic sensors. And in a support page, Tesla claims that starting in early October, which has already happened, vehicles will be delivered without them. But people ordered their cars with them. Tesla just removed that feature completely? Well, no. According to Tesla, this is a transition to Tesla Vision, where the car's cameras will serve all the functions uh, that they 
used to do with the ultrasonic sensors. The idea being that if Tesla is spending all this time and money to develop full self-driving technology using just cameras, then why have a redundant system? Okay, so these new cars have Tesla Vision to replace the use of the ultrasonic sensors. Eventually, Tesla said for a short period of time during this transition, Tesla Vision vehicles that are not equipped with ultrasonic sensors will be delivered with some features temporarily limited or inactive. This includes the features outlined in the table below, which we'll talk about in a second. This doesn't sound like it's going to be popular. Uh, no. No, it does not. Um, it's also not exactly clear how the current camera setup is supposed to see what's directly like in front of the car. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if you're pulling into a space, uh, that camera should be down on the nose of the car. And we like, don't have one there. Right. So, I mean, I suppose the one upside is that you don't have those little ultrasonic sensor things all around the car. But won't this affect autopilot and other stuff? Because like while I'm driving, I see little like warnings and stuff. According to Tesla, um, this has nothing to do with autopilot or safety. So NHTSA is not going to have anything to say about this. However, Park Assist, Auto Park, Summon, and Smart Summon are all coming soon on these cars that do not have the ultrasonic sensors. And to be clear, customers picking up these vehicles weren't asked if it was okay beforehand. Yeah, and we haven't heard of anyone getting like discounts or anything. I'm sure the squeaky wheel is going to get the grease. But, uh, you know, if you're picking up one of these cars, uh, let us know how your experience went. That's the one way where we can get firsthand experience of what's going on. Well, assuming Tesla can come up with a comparable vision system, they should be saving a bunch of money on ultrasonic sensors. Yeah, and I mean, if you happen to damage your bumper, you won't have to pay to replace those sensors. But you probably wouldn't damage your bumper if you had those sensors. Um, by the way, I did a little research and, um, you know, if because you, you can buy these third party sensors and add them to your car. Oh, really? Yeah. And so for a pack of four, they're like 150 bucks. So most cars have like eight or 12 of them. And so that would be like 300 to 500 dollars worth of just sensors. That's let alone dollars in sensors. wiring, let alone computers. Well, and also, yeah, computers, chip shortage. I mean, I'm sure that at a certain period of time, uh, these sensors and the chips on them are going to like, oh, we didn't make enough chips. Oops. And it's going to be like, well, how do we deliver the cars? Maybe that's what happened. And uh, Tesla just went quickly. Autopilot team. What do we do? Or, I mean, it's part of the master plan, right? That they got rid of radar. Now they're getting rid of ultrasonics. And I mean, that's really smart because while other companies are adding LIDAR and adding all these extra expensive things, if Tesla's just going to do it with cheap cameras, that's going to really drastically reduce the price of their cars. Plus, I just want to go back to the computer part. Those ultrasonic sensors are constantly sending signals to a computer that has to process them mm -hmm. and say, well, you're telling me there's something close, but I don't see anything close. So what should we do? Now, I think just like with radar, they're eliminating that that two driver problem where it's like, I see something in the road. Well, I don't see anything. Right. My hope is that Tesla is going to finally get to the top down 360 view. Lots of cars have it now. A lot of them use cameras out on the wing mirrors and, you know, one in the front and one in the back. I think that Tesla could do it with the cameras that they have. You wouldn't be able to see up to the bumper. Um, yeah, but I, maybe feel like you a need, bit of, I feel like you need some more cameras. A little techno magic. I think you can accomplish it, but maybe we'll see. So Tesla Rati tweeted out that Idra has finished the building and testing of the 9,000 ton Gigapress and has already entered the port of Houston a few days ago. Tesla should be receiving it any day now. Elon says, can't wait to see this beast in action. So this new 9,000 ton Gigapress, which most people believe will be used to make Cybertruck, arrived in Houston, Texas on September 29th. There was 54 pieces weighing 77,000 kilograms. So imagine getting that at home from like Ikea. Uh, okay, where's this alignment rod go? Quick, where's it go? It says, attach the bearing rod end to the flex compartment bearing using a 35 millimeter hex wrench. 
this this end? Which which end? Do we have a 35 millimeter hex wrench? I think you're supposed to have a thrust bearing installed first. Ugh. Forget it. I'm, I'm getting a beer. So here's a photo of Idra's Model Y made with its own 6,000 ton gigapress. Elon had said last year that to make the Cybertruck underbody, Tesla would need even more clamping force than the 6,000 ton gigapresses used to make the Model Y, and that they would need at least 8,000 tons of force. So now with the 9,000 ton gigapress in the state of Texas and on its way to Giga Texas, let's go Cybertruck. Yeah, so remember, we're near the top of that list for the Cybertruck. And so hopefully early next year, we'll be bringing you everything you want to know about Cybertruck. We already have the Rivian R1T and the Ford F-150 Lightning. So we'll be able to test them head to head on charging, range, towing capabilities, payload, power outlets, ride comfort, you name it. But please, if you haven't already, please subscribe. It really helps us out because doing all this isn't easy and it isn't cheap. But it is fun, though. Also, if you take a second to hit the like button, that also helps us uh, do this show. I don't know why it does, but it does. And I just have a question because a lot of people have been writing to me about this. They're like, does this press going to press the stainless steel exoskeleton? No, no. This is going to be most likely aluminum injection molded pieces. Okay, but what was the whole point of this? exoskeleton if you still need an underbody of stuff i don't i don't know uh they're definitely going to be folding the stainless steel into the into the exoskeleton i don't know whoa, if the exoskeleton whoa, whoa. is wait, like wait, wait, wait. not pressing folding so a folding machine or a break is where you fold metal and so you're thinking that you're going to fold the top part but the bottom part is just do you think it's going to be one piece or you think it's going to be two pieces like the model y i think it's going to be two pieces in the battery pack like with the model y but if they already do that with the six thousand pound gigapress for the model y why not just keep doing that with their 6,000 pound gigapress. Well, the truck is gonna be larger and anytime oh, you increase more, the you size, more clamping, you force. More clamping force. Okay. My guess is that the bottom, just like with the Model Y, it's gonna be uh, molded pieces. Um, but then instead of having the body in white all kind of welded together with stamped pieces, it'll just be folded pieces. But I have hmm. no idea. I um, cannot wait to see that happen. <laughs> it's going to be really exciting. So according to Mike Hawes, chief executive of the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, September has seen Britain's millionth electric car reach the road, an important milestone in the shift to zero emission mobility. So 40% more EVs were sold in the first nine months of 2022 compared with the same period in 2021. Yeah, and get this, the Tesla Model Y is the second best-selling car in the UK so far in September. And that's counting ICE cars too. And so far this year, the Model Y is the eighth best-selling car in the UK with over 20,000 sold even though it only started selling there in February. And by the way, the number one best-selling car in September, the Nissan Qashqai compact SUV, it starts at 26,000 pounds or about $28,900, which is half the price of the Model Y. Wow. And it's not just the UK where Tesla is shining. Let's take a look at New Zealand, where in September, the first full month that the Model Y was available, the Tesla Model Y became the best-selling car in New Zealand. Yeah, 1,520 Model Ys were delivered in September versus 1,043 Ford Rangers and 989 Toyota Hilux ICE pickup trucks, which had been the number one and number two, but are now the number two and number three in New Zealand. And that's crazy because not only did the Model Y beat ICE vehicles, but it beat pickup trucks, which are super popular in New Zealand. And it's not just New Zealand. Let's go now to Australia, where in the first nine months of this year, the Tesla Model 3 outsold the Toyota Camry. According to data from the Australian Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, Tesla delivered 8,647 Model 3s in the first nine months of this year versus 8,073 Camrys, which had been Australia's best-selling sedan for years. 
And in September, the Model Y's first full month of sales in Australia, the Model Y came in third behind the Hilux and the Ranger. And this next story about what's going on in Germany reminds me of Norway in the early days. You know what's exciting? Norway showed a 52% EV market share in December. Wow. It is showing that Tesla was the most popular automaker in Norway mm -hmm. in December. The Model X was number one, the Model S was number two. Wow. It beat out every other car, including the VW Golf. 3,153 Teslas were registered in Norway in the fourth quarter of 2017. Wow. Now, Norway is the only country that has surpassed the 50% market share for EV sales in a month, and it's well on its way to reaching its goal of 100% of new cars being zero emission vehicles by uh, 2025. Oh, that, that was us in 2018, mm -hmm. talking about Norway just like becoming an EV powerhouse. Right. Okay, so new data from the German Federal Motor Transport Authority shows that of the 224,816 new cars registered in Germany in September, 44,389 were EVs. Wait, what does that make for market share? Percentage-wise? So that's one, one over the 20. Yes, 19.7%. Good work. Right, right, yeah. 19.7% of Germany's auto market was electric. That's about one in five cars sold in Germany are EVs. So 13,724 of those were Teslas. So a 6.1% market share for Tesla alone. And Tesla's goal is to double its German auto sales this year to 90,000 units. And I just want to talk about pundits for a second. Okay. You know what a pundit is? It's like an self-proclaimed expert okay. on something. Uh -huh. And they're all over the place, TV, the internet. And they're all quick to tell you that Tesla demand's dropping because you can get a Tesla quicker nowadays. So that means uh, it's drying up and that's the end of Tesla. These other companies are going to take their lunch. But that's really not what the data supports. No. I mean, as we go from country to country, we see that each time Tesla enters a new market, I mean, they just entered these markets like Australia, New Zealand mm -hmm. with the Model Y. They clobber the competition. Do you know how hard it is to enter a new market? without advertising that you're even there. People just know that you're there and want your product yeah. so bad that there's months and months of waiting time. Well, and the other thing is too, you know, back in 2018, we were talking about Norway and everyone could go, oh, but that's Norway. They're a bunch of mm -hmm. eco hippies, you know. Now we're talking about Germany. Yeah, and I've got some maps and charts to show you on Patreon bonus stories that are gonna kind of blow your mind. So, uh, Hopefully you'll tune into that. So usually every quarter, Tesla updates their supercharger map on their website to show new locations that they're planning and update when certain locations will open. But a few days ago when Tesla did this, they also released the exact addresses of each future North American location. It took Tesla several hours before they noticed the extra data and took it down, but not before some quick supercharger watchers copied down the addresses. And you might be asking, if we already knew where on the map the superchargers were going with the little dot, then didn't we already know the exact address? No. Okay, so that future supercharger dot was usually just dropped at the center of the town or city that the supercharger would be going. We usually had no idea where exactly it would go, but now we do. Now, we'll put a link to the list in the show notes, uh, but here, scrolling by, are the addresses. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going by pretty fast, but you can pause the video, hopefully, and spot your little neck of the woods. And while this is scrolling by, I just want to talk about a for instance, okay? So, so if you take a future supercharger location in our area, so mm -hmm. Amesbury, Massachusetts, uh, take a look at this first map here. This is where Tesla showed it would be going, and it seems to be where? Over the center of uh, mm -hmm. Amesbury, hard to, hard to see there, so we'll circle it in red. Okay. But that's not where it's going. According to the data that Tesla accidentally leaked, the supercharger is going here. Which is a 
perfect spot because it's between two major highways. Right. Now, I know it doesn't really matter. I mean, to most of us, it's like, oh, um, there's going to be a supercharger nearby. That's great. But it is kind of cool to to know ahead of time where exactly it will be in case it's one that you'll be using and you want to kind of plan ahead like how you're going to use it. I think that it's really cool to think about superchargers in terms of the macro and the micro location because the macro location is like, oh, good. There's one in the middle of Wyoming. But then in terms of the micro location, it's like, oh, it's at the mall and it's right next to the this and it's right off the highway that kind of thing is actually important because having it you know 20 miles off of the the main highway means that it's you know going to be an extra 30 minutes to get to tesla has been super super good about their micro uh decision making along with their macro i mean take this one for example it's going to be at a stop and shop supermarket so if you know that now you can be like oh wow i might change my habits of where i go shopping or how i do my shopping because i could supercharge there while i you know do some shopping. Right. And it's near a hotel. It's near some restaurants. It's got kind of everything that you need. Right. So again, that's where micro location is really important. And Tesla just really excels at this. We had been doing uh, tests earlier this year with the Rivian of Electrify America locations. And they suck. Some of them are just not near a highway, which is like great for the people who live nearby. But if you're like, I'm going on a trip, let me plan it. And you're like, why is this taking a really long time? It's like, oh, because I'm going 30 miles an hour for, for 25 miles to, to get, get to this charge to get to a bank of america uh, yeah. with with four charging stalls so if you live in the u.s then you probably have a credit score it's a rating of how reliable and credit worthy you are lenders and businesses use it to decide if you can be trusted to rent an apartment or buy a car and what interest rate to give you for a loan if you're a business you get a credit grade from a company like s p global and if you're tesla then you just got a credit rating upgrade yeah on thursday s p global upped what i think was a pathetically underrated BB plus, which is basically junk bond level up to BBB, which is, well, somewhat better. S&P Global said Tesla's reported production deliveries for the nine months ended September 30th were higher than our expectations. And the ramp up in its global capacity appears on track to meet the strong demand for its products in 2023. We now view Tesla's credit profile more favorably because it continues to demonstrate market leadership in electric vehicles with solid manufacturing efficiencies that support strong EBITDA margins and sustain positive free operating cash flow above our previously established upside triggers. So S&P now projects that Tesla will deliver two million cars in 2020 up from their original 1.5 million estimate. But S&P does have some advice for Tesla. They say that Tesla needs to expand its range of products to contend with the substantially higher number of models from established global automakers and startups by the end of 2025. Wow. Well, thank you so much, S&P, for your analysis. Uh, so good to see that you're willing to help give Tesla advice on how to run its business. Anything else you'd like to add? Like, how about should Tesla make its cars safer? Oh, that's right. They're already the safest. Or or should they make them more efficient? Oh, right. They're already pretty much the most efficient. Maybe S&P should stick to what you do best, making poorly informed credit ratings for companies you know nothing about. So how should we rank Tesla here? Um, They make cars, right? Yeah, well, you see, I use the TDCW method. What's the TDCW method again? Throw a dart at a chart on the wall method. So we got an update on the Cybertruck boat tweets that we reported on last week. RGV aerial photography said, here's a recent aerial image of the ship channel in reference to Elon Musk's tweet regarding Cybertruck crossing the ship channel from Starbase to South Padre Island. I calculated a 15 to 25 minute trip if the channel route to South Padre Island is used versus the 49 minute trip that it currently takes. 
He went on to say, one thing that is still uncertain is the speed the Cybertruck will be able to travel on water. So the calculations might be off due to that, but I suspect it might be anywhere between three to 10 knots. Elon, any insight on this? Elon said you'd need an electric propeller mounted on the tow hitch to go faster than a few knots. There might be a creative wheel hub design that can generate meaningful thrust. You called called it, Jesse. Jesse. If it can float and you could take like an electric outrigger motor and clamp it to the back of the thing and be able to, that would be so cool. I just, I don't know. I hope we get that at the delivery event down at Starbase. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Although it appears that the Washington State Department of Natural Resources does not believe that the Cybertruck will be seaworthy. They say our derelict vessel crews are begging you to understand that anything that serves briefly as a boat should not be used as a boat. And I would argue that they're missing the point. How many vehicles can safely get you out of a flood zone? I think what Elon was talking about was not that you're going to buy this truck and go driving it into lakes. I think what he was saying is that this could be used in cases where you need to ford a river because there's a flood or something. Yeah, I wish you'd be a little bit more specific. I mean, he just talked about crossing a a deep shipping channel using a, a propeller. Okay, you know what? We're getting a Cybertruck yeah. probably before most people. I think we're going to have to. Ours is going to be at the bottom of a lake before you even get yours. <laughs> we will put a waterproof <laughs> camera on there and see what it can do. No, but seriously, I think we need to test that out as soon as we get it. I think we'll be the second to try it out. I'll let somebody else do because we need to test lots I, of other things. Mm, I think towing gonna, range after we do that water boating. Okay. 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 One thing I do know is that they're definitely talking about this on the Cybertruck Owners Club. They help sponsor the show. So head on over there to Cybertruck Owners Club, where you're going to find discussions and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts, future owners, future boat owners. There you're going to find their crowdsource reservation tracker that you can update and find your place in line. We love e-bikes and we love bringing them to places in our EVs and then going for bike rides. Yeah, this is an interesting point. By driving someplace with your e-bike, you can explore places like you've never explored them before. Like, for instance, we went up to Salisbury and Newburyport and then by Biking around, we got to see those places like never before. Yeah. But to do that, you do need a bike rack. And we just reviewed two really cool Yakima bike racks designed for e-bikes over on our Now Let's Review channel. So one of them, the on-ramp, has this cool ramp feature that I really like, especially with heavier e-bikes that you may not be able to easily lift on and off. You and Ethan show how this works with a bunch of different e-bikes with all different size tires from skinny to fat. We also show you a second Yakima model, the Stage 2, made with a really cool platform and this cool mechanism to clamp down on the front tire. So both of these are different from the kind of bike rack you typically see for your regular bike. Right. E-bikes are heavier and can require a different and usually heavier duty rack system. Now, we wanted to show you these in depth because these are big purchases and you want to make sure you get what is right for you the first time. So head on over to Now Let's Review and subscribe. Yeah, Ethan really wants to get our subscriber numbers up to 10,000 and you can really help to make that happen. So Rivian announced last Friday that they are recalling 13,000 or basically all of the vehicles that they produce over a safety issue. I don't know. What's the issue? Well, there's a fastener connecting the upper control arm and the steering knuckle, which may not have been properly torqued. It could lead to a loss of steering control if the bolt falls out. Rivian has sent out emails to owners to schedule a time for it to be checked on and fixed. The fix should be able to be completed by a mobile service technician rather quickly. So, I mean, an improperly torqued bolt from a factory is certainly something you don't want to see from any car manufacturer, but it is 
pretty common. I think we've seen this type of recall from most manufacturers during our time doing Tesla Time News. Yeah, it's at a certain location on the truck. So I'll bet there was somebody on the line who didn't pay attention to the manual and didn't torque something properly Wimpy that day. Wimpy Armed Joe strikes again. Wimpy Armed Joe, were you working on Tuesday? Anyway. Oh, I'm so sorry. I tried my best. I'm, you know, I'm just... It's hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking forward to scheduling another service appointment for my R1T, but if it can be done by mobile, it won't be that bad. But it's certainly not my biggest complaint about the truck. And I think we're going to talk about this more on Patreon bonus story because, well, we're going to talk about this more on Patreon bonus story. Yeah, we have a behind the scenes with our own Rivian experience on this, and I want to share that with you guys. But some good news for Rivian. They had record production this quarter. They produced 7,363 trucks and delivered 6,584. Okay, but they were guiding towards 25,000 for the year. How close are they to that? So far this year, taking into account Q3, um, they're at 14,317. All right, so they need to make over 10,000 this quarter to hit their target. Yeah, and I think they might do that with a 45% increase in production. The question is, at the beginning of the year, they were aiming for 50,000 uh, annual production, and now it looks like they're going to be lucky if they get half of that. Um, now, the analysts are going to be happy because Rivian hit number good. But does it actually mean anything? Well, it definitely means that Rivian is going to stay in the red for a while longer. Had Rivian hit their earlier targets, they would be in only a slightly better position at a glance. But it would have meant that their ramp was twice as fast. And I think Rivian did something smart for their business reporting world, which was they changed their target when they knew they weren't going to hit it. That way, every quarter analysts wouldn't be like, and they're missing their target. But hang on, people. If you just lower your goal, that means that you just lowered your goal. That's the story. Right. Not that you kept hitting your lowered goal. Yeah, I mean, I think that Rivian did a good job walking the fine line in basically bamboozling the analysts because the they, analysts, they don't really they don't really get it. They're like, well, I don't know how to make a car, so it's probably really hard. So if you tell me a number, I'm going to just go with you on that. one. I, I can't believe that this has lasted this long on Wall Street yeah. where analysts just go, oh, company guidance has been met. Good. Company guidance has not been met. Bad. <laughs> what? Look at the bigger picture, people. Look at how many trucks they're producing. 25,000 for this first year is not that big a number. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be what's on the balance sheet that matters. And I know that they're sitting on a bunch of cash, so they have plenty of cash to burn for quite a while. But um, having a production ramp that is half as fast as they thought they were going to be able to do makes me a little bit worried. And Even if, if they're having trouble hitting that. Yeah, I mean, they probably will. They had an increase in production of like 60% this quarter. I, I don't know. I don't like looking at percentages, especially maybe that's why they miss small numbers. Maybe that's why they miss torquing that bolt. Hurry up, yeah. weak hard Jim. <laughs> ah, I'm trying. My arms are so weak. All right, this is such a bizarre story to me. How bizarre. You remember the Toyota BZ4X, which was Toyota's first mass-produced EV? Well, I mean, it hasn't really been mass produced yet, has it? Yeah, that's a good point. Toyota only sold 2,700 of them before they had to issue a recall because there was a risk that sharp turns could cause the wheels to fall off. And so Toyota sent messages to all BZ4X owners not to drive their EVs until the issue was fixed. Now, I thought that it was weak arm Joe again. I thought it was just a, a loose bolt. You're telling me that's not the case? I don't know what it was, but that was back in June. And finally, last week, Toyota engineers say they have a solution. A gray a steering wheel that doesn't whiff out of the window while I'm driving. That is a good idea. So the Japanese transport ministry will now allow the BZ4X to be sold again. And by the way, the Subaru Solterra, which is basically the same car, 
was never launched in the U.S. because of this exact problem. So I don't know. Something is not right about this story. How does a major auto manufacturer like Toyota screw up on such a straightforward part that they've dealt with for decades and decades? I mean, it's a wheel. I mean, a wheel falling off. I, I don't know. It took them four months to figure out a solution. Wait, so what are you saying? I don't know exactly, but I think there's more to this story. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that Akio Toyota, the CEO of Toyota, doesn't like EVs. We're going to cover what he said about EVs on this week's Patreon bonus stories. Um, if you aren't already a patron, uh, this is the perfect time to join us. Yeah, you can join us for as little as a buck a month. It just takes a second to sign up and then you'll get all of our Patreon bonus stories. But back to the BZ4X for a second. This model had no sales in September. And even with this fix, Toyota is not out of the woods yet. The wheels flying off is not the only problem the BZ4X has. According to Toyota, the BZ4X's DC fast charging capabilities may not work when the temperature is below zero degrees Celsius. I mean, but I mean like, you know, zero degrees, that's, oh, that's cold. Well, it's zero degrees Celsius, so that's 32 degrees Fahrenheit. That's just turning freezing. Oh, that, that happens. Yeah, quite and, frequently. And then when that news got picked up by some news sites, Toyota updated their website to say that fast charging may slow down in temperatures below freezing and that it may not work at all in temperatures to around or below minus 15 Celsius or minus four degrees Fahrenheit. May not work at all? I mean, look, I get it. that Those are wicked cold temperatures. But according to this map of coldest temperatures in an average U.S. winter, anything above the dark blue would probably mean that your BZ4X is gonna have at least a couple tough days. And that's most of the United States. Yeah, this isn't something that's never gonna happen. It's gonna happen for a few days in the winter that what, if you don't keep your car warm or if you drive it to the mall and park in the lot that you're gonna not be able to drive home? Yeah, man, these are a lot of things that Tesla owners take for granted. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people just think, oh, it's an EV. Mm -hmm. They're all the same. It's like, no. This is why you got to bring these cars to Alaska to test them. <laughs> Did they not do that? Maybe not. Well, I am officially now a genius. Wow, you took your IQ test and you scored high enough to get into Mensa? No, I was a first day reservation holder for the Ford F-150 Lightning. So how does that make you a genius? Well, we reported a few weeks ago how Ford raised prices on the Lightning from five dollars to $8,000, depending on the trim level. Yeah. Well, now Ford has done it again. They have raised the prices more than 10%, a second price hike in less than two months. Wait, so how much are we talking about here? Because even though we got the truck before the price hikes, it wasn't a cheap truck. You're right. Our Lariat edition with the tow package and the extended range battery was about $80,000. Now the same model and build is about $87,000. Even the cheapest model with the 230 mile range starts at $52,000. So the base price has just gone up by about 11% or $9,000 in just two months. Yeah, I think the sad thing about the federal tax credit is that a lot of these auto manufacturers were like, oh, great, we can raise prices and no one will even notice. I suppose. But I mean, Ford was going to get the tax credit no matter what. Right. I mean, it's not like Tesla where it was like, oh, thank goodness, this is going to come in clutch. Like Ford had it the whole time because they didn't make enough EVs. Yeah, I don't know if this was just so that they could kind of get a news cycle story where it's like, look how cheap the truck is and then quietly raise the prices. I don't know. I mean, does it help demand to make the no, 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 it doesn't it doesn't lowers it, demand. People don't just go like, oh, my God, <laughs> I should get in now. No, I mean, look. We have the truck. I like the truck a lot. But at these prices, if I was like in serious competition between this and an ice truck, I don't know that I could do this. I mean, wouldn't I mean, we did it for you. Right. You know, like to show the world we didn't do it because like this would be a smart financial decision. So this is kind of good news slash bad news for Ford. 
Uh, do you want? Would you like the good news first or the bad news first? I, I think bad news first. Okay. Uh, Ford's September sales figures across all their models showed a decline of nine percent year over year, um, and Ford's truck segment was down more than eighteen percent. Wow. Okay. What's the good news? Ford's EV sales were all up. Mach-E sales grew 47% year-over-year to 2,324 units. The Lightning sold 1,918 units in September, so that's 8,760 sold since it was introduced in June. And the E-Transit van sold 449 units, so it now holds 90% of the market share for the EV van market. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at Ford's EV market share this year through September with over 41,000 EVs sold. Ford now has a 7% EV market share in the U.S. compared with just 3.1% last year at this time. And now with enough months in the bag, we can kind of sort of begin to compare Ford Lightning sales to the Rivian R1T sales. Yeah, Rivian just reported 6,584 deliveries in Q3 versus about 8,760 Lightning sales. And I say about because that starts in June, which is slightly you know, half a month before, but they're, they're kind of neck and neck with Rivian kind of edging out a slight lead. And while I think it's interesting to see which is doing better, Rivian or Ford, I think the bigger picture is going to come in about 18 months. And that's when Cybertruck hopefully will be fully, you know, into production. And I think it's just going to blow past these numbers. I think that Tesla's gigafactories are going to churn out Cybertrucks. We know that there's over a million people waiting for it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully there won't be any production snafus. And hopefully they'll just be pushing out tens of thousands of them. Yeah, because I mean, I said that is good news that, you know, Ford's EV sales are up at these tiny little numbers. Yeah, I mean, they don't help the bottom line. Oh, that it's up 40%. That's and, like, and, I mean, the margin on those EVs for Ford is probably so low that they're not making much profit, if any, on them. I mean, that's why they had to raise the price right. of the F-150 Lightning. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to see how it goes. But yeah, I think the Cybertruck, I, I think the reason that you saw an 18% uh, loss in, in in Ford's truck division is either they're waiting for the Ford F-150 Lightning or they're waiting for the Rivian, or they're waiting for the Cybertruck. Cybertruck. I mean, we're talking we roughly 20% of the truck market is yes. ready to switch to EVs. Exactly. As we get closer to Cybertruck launch, I think more and more people are going to wait to purchase ICE trucks. And this is before those trucks are on the road. Yeah. That's before we see Cybertruck and, and most of the other trucks. I mean, we're talking yep. in the less than 10,000 for all of these different types of trucks. That means that People are not seeing them on the roads yet. Yeah. You're, what you're seeing here in this dip, I believe, is this spring effect of people waiting, 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 and it's going to just shoot up. So, I mean, hopefully Ford can capitalize on that, but it really depends on their production. So on October 18th, Foxconn or Hanhai Technology Group, which is the Taiwanese company that makes the iPhone, will be revealing their first EV contender, the Model B. But like most automakers, they have pre-released some teaser photos of the four-door crossover hatchback. Oh, my God. It's a look at that. It's a full picture. It's not just a black and white with just the roof line. Yep. There's multiple angles. Wow. Yep. Wow. Congratulations. I mean, that is so nice. In instead of it just being like, it's, it's going to be, be shaped like, like roughly, roughly a car. car. <laughs> it's like, here is what it's going to look like. So, I mean, it looks like the VW e-Golf, um, which I really liked a lot. I mean, too bad VW doesn't make it anymore. OK, I'm sure we don't have the stats yet. But I mean, is this another car made in a country far, far away? I mean, why should we even take note of this? Well, for one thing, it's not made far, far away. It's made in a country close, close by. Actually, it's going to be made right here in the U.S. at the former GM, former Lordstown Motors factory in Lordstown, Ohio. 
Oh, I remembered that we reported about a year ago that Foxconn bought the factory, um, not only to partner with Lordstown Motors on making electric pickup trucks, but also to make their own vehicles on their own e-platform. Right. So the Model B will be built on Foxconn's MIH, or Mobility and Harmony platform, which they hope will be like kind of the Android of automobiles that other manufacturers will use it. Foxconn is also going to build EVs for Fisker and others at the same plant. Hmm. So when is the Model B going to start being delivered? Foxconn is going to make Model Bs in Thailand next year for the Chinese market and then start U.S. production in 2024. The Model B got design help from Pinaferina, as did Foxconn's next two electric models, the Model C SUV and the Model E sedan. What? Hang on. The Model E? I thought Tesla wanted to name the Model 3 the Model E, but Ford wouldn't let them because Ford had its uh, trademark. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's weird, right? Because, yeah, Elon wanted Model E and he couldn't. And my question is, if you park a Foxconn Model E between a Tesla Model S, X and Y, is it still sexy? I don't know. Uh, that's weird. Uh, but we do have preliminary stats that Foxconn released about the Model E, and they are that it will have a range of 750 kilometers and do zero to 60 in under three seconds. Foxconn says they want to be producing between 500 and 750,000 EVs per year by 2025, and they want to have 5% of the EV market by then. Okay, so this could be a serious EV company. I mean, it's it's like they waited, they watched, they learned, and then entered the market kind of like VinFast is doing with a big plan and moving fast. Comment below what you think. Do you think that Foxconn can go from making iPhones to the Android of cars? I, you know, this is interesting because a lot of times you think, well, it has to be the early entrance into a market that do well. But if you think back to like cell phones, reach into your pocket right now, pull out your cell phone. Does it say Nokia on it? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, does it say BlackBerry on it? Probably not. Um, it's not always the early entrance into a market that do well. Sometimes it's the ones that come later um, that see what's going on, retool and go in fast. And I think that's might be what we're seeing here where we're all like, I don't know what Foxconn and VinFast are. And then a few years later, we're like, I'm driving a VinFast. <laughs> Maybe we still have to see on that one. But let's talk about um, kind of a, a slower entrance to the EV market. Um, after Honda discontinued the Clarity, the prologue is Honda's second try at an EV, or maybe the third. I don't know what you'd call it. Oh, yeah. They're really blazing a trail. Um, yeah. So Honda's just unveiled the prologue. Um, we get to see it for the first time. Oh, yeah. Having its blaze of glory. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get any specs or pricing. Oh, darn. It really looks like it's going to be blazing fast, though. What is going on with you? It's just going to be a Chevy Blazer with Honda styling. Oh, because it's using the GM Ultium platform? Yeah. Uh, I'm a little annoyed at how much press attention this car gets when it's just a GM powertrain that Honda bought. Okay, but I think that there are plenty of people who would like a normal looking crossover EV SUV that's affordable. Well, and I know people will like the Honda styling over the Chevy because some people like that kind of thing. But I'm just worried about their powertrain. If you're just plunking down the stylish thing on top of a powertrain that may not be all that good. Because, look, you can call it Altium if you want. That doesn't mean it's the best. Look at what happened to GM when they put LG batteries into a car and they didn't keep the right amount of quality control. If you have a battery pack problem, you have a battery pack problem. Yeah, but these are Altium batteries. They might have Altium <laughs> problems, too. I don't know. Well, and then do you do you take the, the Honda to a GM dealer to fix it? Right. I don't or know. Do the Honda people now have Altium can you take your GM to a Honda? I think you're going to end up taking your Honda to whatever company buys Honda because Honda's not going to last as a company. People, mark my words, it's going to get bought out into some 
consortium of things like Stellantis. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by Henson Shaving. And you have a nice shave this morning again. It's so consistent because I can always use a new blade because the blades... Well, first of all, I have a box of 100 blades that I got from Henson because I, I bought one of the razors and I used the code NYK. So I got 100 blades for free. So I can basically have 200 shaves and not spend any extra money. And then when when I finally run out of the, and I'm not even halfway through the box, when I'm done with that box, I can buy another box and each of those blades will cost about 10 cents. Wow, so five cents a shave. Pretty that's good. That's definitely cheaper than the shave you're getting now. And, and that means I don't have to be like, well, I could go another month with this old crappy cartridge and and look, I know you're watching right now and you're like, why are you talking about shavers, guys? Because it's sustainable mm-hmm. to shave this way is the most sustainable way to shave. You're going to have that shaver for the rest of your life. And the way you're shaving now saves you money and it saves you materials. So Starlink has just received its license to operate in Jamaica. Hey, man. Jamaican Minister of Science and Technology, Daryl Vaz, says we're working assiduously to broaden the connectivity across the island. Starlink is a move in the right direction because with satellite Internet, even the areas that have never been connected previously have the opportunity to have access to high speed Internet now. Nice. I know it's not a big island. I know it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like Germany or something, but all these places around the world where most companies would be like, do we want to really bother with Jamaica? No, they don't because there's not enough money there. With Starlink, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They can cover any place because their satellite just circling the world. Yeah. So they're going to be able to hit market after market after market that other companies can't afford to go into. Right. And all these other companies are going to have basically no contest. They're not going to be like, well, we can just take a cable and we'll string it underneath the ocean. And that is going to somehow be cheaper than a couple of Dishy, dishy McFlat faces. And, no. we're, and we're going to talk about this on Tweets of the Week. Uh, there's a really important tweet coming up, which is going to talk about why Elon can do this. All right, it's time for Going Green, and we're sponsored by EcoWare. October is all about Optimus excitement. Yeah, getting people excited about robots doing their dishes and their laundry and maybe even doing their work for them while yeah. you sit at home. Check out our new Optimus throw blanket and the Optimus polyester square pillow. Optimus will keep you nice and warm this fall season. Keep it in your car, throw it on your couch. There are so many options. Get cozy this Optimus October. And for this month only, use the code ILOVEOPTIMUS to get 5% off all items on EcoWare. And don't forget that we plant multiple trees for every order. And we help cap methane spewing abandoned oil wells with the Well Done Foundation, making your purchase carbon negative. So start positive conversations today with carbon negative products at EcoWare. I kind of want one of those for my car. All right, now to the Green Mountain State of Vermont, where there is a new program starting November 2nd. If you trade in your old clunker, your gas-burning vehicle that is at least 10 years old, the state will give you a voucher for alternative transportation, including an e-bike or an EV. The state has allocated $4.5 million, and the program is running on a first-come, first-served basis. So Vermonters with old cars, nice little incentive there, on top of the federal EV incentive of $7,500. Yeah, thanks to Rav for sharing the story with us. So, I mean, this is happening in a lot of states, and I think the problem is a lot of people don't know about it, because mm-hmm. if you're not in the EV community, you don't hear about it. Um, so if you do hear about something in your state, let your friends and family know on your social media. It might be the little nudge they need to be like, oh, wow, another $3,000 off the price of a car, because, yeah. I mean, that's what you can get in Vermont. Wow. All right, it's time for Sunspots. So um, we're going to go to a video contributor story this week oh, for nice. Sunspots. Uh, this is our friend Roberts from Latvia. And you remember Roberts a few shows back, he shared with us his electric lawnmower experience. Now he's going to share with us his solar powered hot water heater. Hi, Zach and Jesse. 
I recently built a custom setup for uh, solar panels. I show you what I mean. We installed uh, 12 panels. It's just enough for uh, heating the water. Six in a row and uh, in series and uh, other six in parallel, parallel of those six. These uh, mounts I made by myself and uh, solar panels uh, meet here. There is a safety switch and then it goes to house and then I show what's inside. Here it goes in house and in the other fuse box and uh, some meters. This is inaccurate because it's not uh, giving the right re readings. This is accurate readings. 75-80 degrees Celsius. And uh, it's uh, about a month ago I put it and just test it. It's DC here. Here is DC. And you can tell by the wires it goes directly to heating element. No inverters or anything. Uh, Heating element is 1.5 kilo kilowatts, 1500 watts, and it's enough to heat the boiler, 1000 liter boiler, at 80 degrees. And midsummer it was over 80. Then we switch off fuses. I think it's one unique setup. It's now for just a temporary setup it then we make beautiful box now we just for testing how it's in summer and autumn and spring how it's behaviors no now you know and i just want to point out i think that that hot water heater is not only for like dishes and showers i think it's for heating his house i mean you definitely could use it that way and i, I really like that he used um just DC current. Um, he he didn't put it through an inverter right. to then have to probably uh, reconvert it back to DC. He just went straight DC from the panels. Um, a little bit of learning. It really doesn't take too much to understand kind of AC, DC and, and solar panels and stuff like this. A system like that is extremely efficient with the panels that you have. And I know that you could make like solar hot water panels, but then you're dealing with pipes and insulation and stuff like that. A system like this, really cool. Yeah, um, really I, hot. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really awesome. Uh, what a great system and uh, another great reason to learn to weld. Yeah. And look, if you want to get solar on your house, but you don't want to learn to weld, we work with two great companies, one in Europe and one in America. In Europe, you can call our friends at Svea Solar. If you live in Sweden, Germany, Spain, the Netherlands, Belgium, and more countries coming soon, reach out to Svea at the link below and you will get two cool options that are only available to Now You Know fans. You can prepay your solar energy solution and get an EV charger for a 50% discount, or you can select the pay-as-you-go solar energy solution with no upfront fees and get the first six months for free. Now, both offers are only valid until November 1st. So don't wait, reach out to Svea Solar today because you're running out of time. And if you live in North America and you'd like to become your own small energy provider, talk to the team at EnergyPal. They are the solar and battery experts that help homeowners go solar for less. Tell them that Zach and Jesse sent you and they will help you through the whole process for free. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. We got uh, some investor club bonus stories this mm -hmm. week. We got a whole bunch of Patreon bonus stories like why Starlink is going to completely beat the competition. We're going to talk a little bit about 
uh, Akio Toyota and what he said. And just a whole bunch of other cool things. So go check those out on Patreon for as little as a buck a month. You'll get to see all of our Patreon bonus stories all the time. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. We got shout outs for the people who support the show every week. Who do we got? Who's our new Patreons? We got Jeremy. We got Libby Vine. David Rose. Zachariah Lowe. Al. Kaholic. And Damon C. Reed. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do the show without you. All right, so we did a Patreon poll this week. What was it? What do you think about Tesla doing away with the ultrasonic sensors? Well, I like how it looks. Less, it is less cleaner. Looks. But what, what do cleaner. people say? Um, so... You know, I think that most people were rightfully a little annoyed that Tesla didn't have the system working before they delivered cars without features. Um, but a lot of people are are pretty positive. They think that it's going to work. I think one way that Elon gets his teams to do things fast is he goes, October 1st, we're getting rid of the sensors, so I better be working. Yeah. And then like on to- October 3rd, they're like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it should be working, working soon. <laughs> All right. It's time for Elon's tweets of the week. And I just want to say the first bunch of tweets are very political. They're about Ukraine. We're going to get through all of them and then we're going to give our thoughts. Yeah, you so have some thoughts about it. Here so. we go. All right. So Elon tweeted out Ukraine, Russia, peace. His idea and his poll here is to redo elections of annexed regions under the UN supervision. Russia leaves if that is the will of the people. Crimea, formerly part of Russia, as it has been since 1783 until Khrushchev's mistake. Water supply to Crimea assured and Ukraine remains neutral. And most people said, no, I don't like that idea. Elon then said, this is highly likely to be the outcome in the end, just a question of how many die before then. Also worth noting that a possible, albeit unlikely outcome from this conflict is nuclear war. Nemli Nika said, wonder how many bots were activated to turn around the original result, because in the beginning he was actually leading with yes on that question. And Elon said, indeed, biggest bot attack I've ever seen. So you can't really trust the poll now because we don't know who was responding to the poll. Konstantin said, I actually agree with you that Ukraine will likely end up giving those up in the final settlement, but consider that those are not the only regions Russia has annexed. The people who live in those areas no longer live in them. Some are dead, most have fled, or been forcefully deported by Russia. Referendums will never be free and fair as long as there is fear of repercussions for the losing side. This fear will exist on both sides. I admire your idealism and desire to help, truly, but this really isn't as simple as you seem to think. Elon then said, I do not think it's simple at all, but I have yet to hear any realistic path to peace. Ukraine has achieved many brilliant tactical victories, but should be wary of overconfidence leading to strategic defeat. When Russia fully mobilizes, millions on both sides will die. Then Senator Lindsey Graham chimed in, with all due respect to Elon Musk, and I do respect him, I would suggest he needs to understand the facts of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Elon said, assuming you believe that the will of the people matters, we should, in any given conflict region, support the will of those who live there. Most of Ukraine unequivocally wants to be part of Ukraine, but some eastern portions have Russian majorities and prefer Russia. And then Elon tweeted out, below is the electoral map of 2012, blue is the pro-Russia party. Christopher Miller says, new Ukrainian troops reported outages of Starlink devices on front line, hindering efforts to liberate territory from Russian forces, Ukrainian officials and soldiers told us. Elon says, bad reporting by FT. This article falsely claims that Starlink terminals and services were paid for when only a small percentage have been. The operation has cost SpaceX $80 million and will exceed $100 million by the end of the year. As for what's happening on the battlefield, that's classified. Yeah, I had thought that the U.S. government had paid for most of those. So that is interesting to see. Spidey Elon fan says Ukrainian digital minister Mikhailo Fedorov wrote in a tweet that rough data about Starlink shows that about 150,000 people in the country use the service each day. This data is from May of 2022. Elon said, I'm in regular contact with Fedorov. 
And just to remind you, uh, Elon has had an insane week. As Tesla Economics says, what an insane week for Elon. Tesla AI Day, Q3 production deliveries, Twitter versus Elon, S&P investment grade upgrade, SpaceX human launch to station, Starlink launch, Tesla semi-production. I don't know how this guy does it. Make sure you stay healthy, Elon. And Elon says, very intense seven days indeed. And so let's talk about the tweets, uh, especially the poll that Elon put out. So obviously this pissed off a lot of Ukrainians, people who support Ukraine and just people who saw this on the news. Um, by many accounts, it does seem that Ukraine has the will, manpower and material to uh, maybe not win this conflict, but to do pretty well, um, even with Russia's recent mobilization. However, that is wearing a restore Ukraine to its recognized borders hat and to a certain degree assumes that Russia will not deploy nuclear weapons, which maybe Putin is losing support to do. We don't know for certain. I think that Elon was wearing his preserve humanity hat and he knows that any nuclear weapons deployed leads to a bit of a scary standoff with, you know, human civilization in the balance. With that being said, I think that a lot of the points in his peace plan are in many ways easier said than done. And a lot of them are kind of what Putin wanted. However, I'm a strong believer that actions speak louder than words. And Elon has done a lot more for the Ukrainians than most people. That's true. Um, and I don't think that he meant this as an insult to Ukraine um, because I think it's important to be able to discuss something without people jumping down your throat about it. Look, I think that anytime you have an open and honest discussion about something, that's a good thing, as opposed to just a bunch of knee-jerk reactions. It's kind of sad that on Twitter, you don't really get to have too many discussions. Um, but it it's can't... not really the discussion platform. It's no. really just a, hey, I'm going to put it again, put it again, you said right. this, um, and which is, that's why I can hate Twitter. To go on with the tweets, though, <laughs> David Sachs tweeted out, Senator Graham starts a Twitter fight with Elon Musk, but doesn't like getting talked back to. So he threatens to take away an electric vehicle tax credit. This is how Washington works. And this is the tweet he's talking about where Lindsey Graham says, while we're at it, maybe the Congress should revisit the electric vehicle tax credit boondoggle. It is where the credit is now solely benefiting electric vehicle manufacturers who have increased prices equal to the tax credit. David Sachs went on to say, as it turns out, Tesla doesn't even benefit from the tax credit anymore. So Graham's threat wouldn't even have the intended effect, which is also how Washington works. But they do benefit from the tax credit. They will. But this tax credit that he's talking about is one that Tesla has not benefited from for many, many months. Oh, right. I mean, it's not going to kick in until January 1st. OK. Lucid Trading asked Elon, have you ever talked to Putin in person, Elon? He said we talked via video conference last year. Elon then tweeted out, war is the ultimate Supreme Court. Well, that's sad. Okay. Uh, SpaceX tweeted out, meet Crew-5, and this is the fifth crewed mission to the ISS, and you can watch the Falcon 9 launching Dragon. And then Elon tweeted out, another batch of Starlinks in orbit seven hours after the astronaut launch. Mm -hmm. And here's just a cool video. That's right. That's one Dragon looking at another Dragon capsule, both attached to the ISS simultaneously. That is badass. Holmar's catalog said, great first drive with Tesla full self-driving beta 10.69.2.3. No takeovers in 30 minutes of driving, even through messy construction intersections. Elon says 10.69.3 will actually be a major upgrade. We're keeping 69 just because. Haha. -ha. And then Holmar's catalog said, latest FSD beta build is just f***ing incredible, Elon. Elon said, even better build coming next week. Ooh. Ashley Vance says, it's surprising to me that Elon doesn't flex his unique ability to have a rocket hover over someone's house more during negotiations. Elon said, that wouldn't be hard to do. Can you imagine? Is that if, a threat, uh, Elon? Uh, what? Uh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sam Chorus tweeted out, I think this could be the key chart for it all. And we're going to talk about this more on PBS because it's really hard to discern in just a minute.
Brett Winton from ARK Invest said the world's largest computer does 1.1 exaflops. Tesla's Exapod is designed to achieve 1.3, not apples to apples, since high performance compute runs at 64 bit, whereas Tesla's tuning to 16 bit. Divide the Exapod by four, though, and it would be the world's third largest computer. Elon says Dojo uses BF16, so actual performance difference versus 64-bit is much less than it would seem since you truncate so many useless zeros and round from there. So a little bit of uh, supercomputer math for you there. Yeah, so maybe they have the most powerful one. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. So Ben from Cincinnati, Ohio says, I don't know if this is significant to you or not, but I don't see many pole stars in middle America. This shot was taken in Columbus, Ohio. And yeah, I've only seen a couple in my neck of the woods so far. Ricky sent us this short video of Starbase that he took. Thanks, Ricky. I wonder if that's a safe viewing distance for watching Starship launches in the future or if that's way too close. (laughs) Mark says, I'm a subscriber from Montreal and I wanted to share a photo of the first F-150 Lightning I've seen in the metal. It was charging at a public charger a block from my place this evening, thus the poor quality of the attached photo. As my friend and I were looking at it and taking the photo, the owner came along and very excitedly told us all about it. I found it amusing that as a viewer of your show, I already knew more about it than he did. But it's his first EV and he absolutely loves it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Nathan sent us these two photos taken in Phoenix, Arizona, which, by the way, are home of Intel, Waymo, Solo, Nikola Motors, Lucid, and others. Uh, one is of some weird Elon goat rocket thing. Oh, yeah, that and, was the NFT thing. Yes, uh-huh. right. That was going to be at GigaFest. And the other one is a EQS. Lauren said, spotted this Model X at our Tesla showroom in Colorado Springs, Colorado, that is owned and used by the Crested Butte Colorado Marshals. It was front and center on the lot. Very cool to see it outfitted with emergency lighting, radios, and even a cage in the back seat. Also cool to know that a Tesla can handle the harsh mountain conditions from the snow to the rough dirt roads. I researched this a bit and Crested Butte added this Model X last year at a total cost with all the police stuff of $107,000, about $32,000 more than a Chevy Tahoe with all the police stuff, but it's been saving money on maintenance and fuel. Our patron Steve sent us this picture of a Model Y he spotted in Melbourne, Australia. That's his son Jude, who said he's a huge Tesla fan. David shared this photo of the Adena, Minnesota homecoming parade led by a Ford Mustang Mach-E police car. James sent us these photos from the National Drive Electric Week in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He says two favorite vehicles were the 2020 Model S Raven and the 2022 Model X Plaid. Sean sent us the short video of a Rivian Amazon van that he saw in San Jose, California. Alexei says, saw two prototypes of the Volta trucks being carried on the Autobahn in Germany. Quick research showed that those will be offered with a 150 kilowatt hour battery in a 90 mile range, as well as a 225 kilowatt hour battery and 125 miles of range. There'll be an ambient and a refrigerated version. Looking forward to seeing them hitting the road. And I'm guessing that's prototype number 15. (laughs) Jessica says, I love your channel. You guys are doing a great job. Please keep it up. I live in San Francisco, which is Tesla's stronghold, at least for now. But the competition is slowly creeping in. Here are Rivian and BMW SUVs I spotted while walking on a street. And Guile says, just spotted this car carrier in Barcelona Freeport area. The Bulgarian driver said he picked them up from the port and is delivering to Stuttgart. Could hardly believe it, given Berlin Gigafactory model-wise, right? Anyway, he let me take a picture of the bill of lading. Maybe you guys can figure out if they're from U.S. or Shanghai. Love your show, big fan. So you can figure it out. Uh, Those are the VIN numbers. And that is from China. If it says LRW, that's Shanghai. If it says XPY, that would be Giga Berlin. So they say LRW, so they are from Shanghai. Did my research. Wow, okay. Well, thank you for doing the research. And And thank you, Giles, for sending in the pictures. Otherwise... We wouldn't know. Yeah. I mean, that's information there. <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you so much to everyone who does uh, community mail time. I love receiving um, all of this wonderful pictures and stories from the community. So uh, feel free to send them in at hello and now you know channel.com. And it's now time for supercharger reviews that you guys send in to our website. 
Hi, Zach and Jesse. It's John Michael again with another Supercharger review, this time from Baker City, Oregon. This Level 3 Supercharger is located just off of Interstate 84 on the historic Oregon Trail in the Quality Inn parking lot. Nearby, there are three or four gas stations with convenience stores, some sit-down restaurants, and some fast food restaurants, as well as two grocery stores. Behind the Supercharger is a pet relief area with uh, disposal and bags available as well as a picnic table. It was quite a nice area back here. There weren't very accessible restrooms here at this location and it was a bit of a walk to get to the food option. So I give this about a seven out of 10, now you know. Hello, Zach, hello, Jesse. Danny Richland here coming to you from beautiful Coalinga, California. We're at the Harris Ranch Supercharger, 18 stalls, 150 kilowatts, and the best part is, this is part of a California ranch owned by the Harris family for over a hundred years. They've had their beef business here since 1937. And if Jose will turn around, he'll show you their beautiful restaurant right here, steps away from the, from the superchargers. So we're in Coalinga, California, and many times the stockyard's only about a mile away you can smell the aroma of the cattle themselves. Also, huge gas station, and get this, Jesse, they have a 2,800-foot airplane landing strip on the property as well. So I give the Harris Ranch Supercharger a 12 on a scale of 10. Hey, Zach and Jesse, Jay from New Jersey here. I got my 2021 Model Y Long Range here at a supercharger just outside of Ocean City, Maryland. A little bit off the main highway, I'm traveling through from New Jersey to Florida, but I am uh, stopping to charge and use the facilities at this uh, Royal Farms. So to quote uh, Jesse, I give it a five just for being here, but to also quote my favorite movie, it's a mad, 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 mad world. I give it a five for it being here a one for the car, a one for the driver in the car, and another one for a person being the driver in the car. So I guess I give it, what was that, an eight out of 10? Ocean City, Maryland, Supercharger. Now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Matthew Dean reporting from Uly, Florida. We have a uh, brand new Supercharger here. Uh, unfortunately, it is being iced by a builder right now, which is kind of annoying, uh, but it looks like we have at least eight stalls. It's brand new. Again, it's Yuli, Florida. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing Supercharger Reviews. Um, you can send them to our website, nayanochannel.com. Uh, there, there's a whole map. So if you were like planning a trip and you wanted to see which superchargers to stop at, uh, hopefully it's a helpful tool for you. And if you spot a beautiful supercharger, please send it on in to us as well. This week, Tesla reached 10,000 supercharger stalls in Europe. According to Tesla, nearly one-fifth of all the supercharger stalls in Europe were added in the first nine months of 2022 alone. And now in Europe, more than 320 supercharger locations with more than 4,600 stalls are open to all EVs, not just Teslas. All right, so what do we got for new superchargers in the world? We got number 12 in West Virginia, the eight stall in Sutton, West Virginia. The 12 stall in Fredonia, New York. Number 12 in Poland is the four stall in Lublin, Poland. The eight stall in Monticello, Minnesota. Number 49 in New Jersey is the eight stall in South River, New Jersey. Number 10 in New Hampshire is the eight stall in North Conway, New Hampshire. The 20 stall in Pasadena at East Foothill Boulevard, California. The 8 stall in North Branch, Minnesota. Number 307 in California is the 16 stall at Fullerton, California. Number 22 in Minnesota is the 12 stall in Maple Grove. 
Number 96 in Norway is the 16 stall in Stavanger, Norway. Number 74 in New York, which makes it the number four state in the U.S., is the 12 stall in North Babylon, New York. Number 90 in Texas, which makes it the number three state in the U.S., is the 16 stall at San Antonio at North Loop at 1604 East Texas. Number 47 in North Carolina is the 8 stall in Mount Airy, Graceland Lane, North Carolina. The 3 stall at Guangzhou at Heshengui, China. The 3 stall at Tailing, Easy Home, China. The 3 stall in Shanghai at Xingyuchen, China. The 3 stall in Shanghai at SK Building, China. The 9 stall at Haiku at Penghui Plaza, China. Number 144 in Germany. Number 877 in Europe is the 20 stall in Koxing, Germany. The three stall in Shanghai at the Jinghuai Cube Apartment in China. The three stall in Ninghai at the Hampton by Hilton, China. Number 1,390 in China. Number 4,273 in the world is the six stall in Jindiantai City, China. Wow, that's a big number this week again. And you made it to the end of the show. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Uh, We put a lot of work every week into the show, and we can only make this happen if you do a few things yourself. First of all, you're watching, which is awesome. If you could hit the subscribe button, if you haven't done that already, I would really appreciate it. If you'd hit the like button, that helps share this to more people so we can spread what we're learning to everybody. And if you'd consider being a Patreon, it can be as little as a buck a month. You get a lot more from us if you do that, because we really appreciate our patrons. Those people are what keep this show going, so we want you to become one them because the only reason that we're able to do all the fun jokes and editing is because we have support and that support is equivalent to thousands of views you giving us a dollar a month is like a thousand people watching the show right it makes a huge difference and we really really appreciate it so it really it doesn't take a lot of time and you get all the patreon bonus stories every week um, along with uh, there's a lot of other cool perks you might want to check out including um, all of these names going past are people who support us for $5 or more a month. Um, they get their name in the end credits and a shout out at the end of the show. Thank you, everybody, for joining. We'll see you guys next week. Now, now you know. know. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.